Um, so we went ahead and recap last week, Life of Paul. Uh, listen, I told you guys last week, one of the things, I, I just want your attention with me. Give me 20 minutes tonight and we'll be done, okay? So listen, I want to tell you guys, I told you guys last week, one of the things that I love about Paul the most is that he is an imperfect man striving to be like Christ. It's one of my favorite things about Paul is that he goes throughout the word and, and he knows he's not perfect by any means, but he just has so much love for who Jesus is. And he makes such an impact throughout the New Testament because he encountered Jesus. And I think that you and I, when we go throughout life and we have that moment, and it's not just one moment. Like, I don't want to make salvation sound like it's just this one moment because I believe that in, in our life there are moments where we need to remind ourselves and relive that moment of salvation for all of us and, re, and remind ourselves how much God loves us and that we are Christians and that he does care for us and that you and I are going to make mistakes but that's okay right so I want to I want to take you guys tonight to Acts chapter 16 and week two of life of Paul we're going to be talking about my praise makes a difference. Somebody say it with me. My praise, My praise makes a difference. All right, let's pray before we read God's word. Father, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for the word that you gave us. Lord, we just thank you, Lord God, that we can just be in your presence another week. And Lord, let this scripture just challenge us in some way. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right. So listen, I'm going to summarize the story really quickly. So, so Paul and others are headed to a place of prayer. Um, they're, they're traveling. It's like four or five days, and they're entering into this city, right? And there's this demon-possessed lady. How many guys watch scary movies? So don't watch scary movies. They're bad for you, okay? <laughs> listen, it's kind of like a scary movie. Me and Pastor Aubrey, we never watch scary movies. Like, that is not our thing, okay? Like, we, I don't believe in it. I personally believe that you got to be careful what you feed your spirit. I'm, I'm being really honest with you guys. So I'm not condemning you if you watch scary movies. I'm just saying that I believe it opens up a door to things. That's just my personal opinion. No questions right now, Grady. But uh, I'm just letting you know, that's my personal opinion of things, right? And so we kind of see this lady, she's demon-possessed, she's following Paul and, the, uh, and, and, and some of the disciples, um, or apostles, you would say, around, and she keeps saying, oh, here's these Christians, here's these men, they're going to proclaim Jesus, okay, yeah. I mean, she's just being so annoying. And, and Paul gets to this point where he is ready to cast the devil out of this lady. How many guys have been so annoyed with somebody that you just wanted to cast the devil out of them? Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, I know you can thank, you can thank of some people. And I am telling you right now, I have been in some of those circumstances. So we're going to read on. Okay. So, so, so Paul goes ahead and he casts the demon out of this lady. He says, Satan, come out of this lady. And boom. And she was a storyteller. She could tell the future because of the demonic oppression over her life. And so we see through, throughout the word that, you know, she kind of had this gift. I wouldn't really call it a gift because it was from the devil, but it was allowing her to, to, to read into people's life. How many guys know that the devil knows stuff about you, right? So I just want you guys to know that if it, if it doesn't, someone can say something, and if it doesn't line up with the word of God, I want you to know that that's not God. So usually in a situation where you would find somebody, this is way off topic, but I just want you guys to know this. You know, if somebody ever came and spoke something into your life, you need to go take whatever was spoken and line that up with the word of God. And if it doesn't line up well, you need to dismiss it. 
And I tell you that because you guys growing up in church, there are such things as false prophets, and I don't want to get into all this stuff, but I need you to know that there is no more important word than the written word. So if something doesn't line up, some of you guys aren't going to get this right now, but just know it's a real thing, okay? So listen, we find right here that Paul ends up casting the demon out of this lady, and then we're going to jump into verse uh, 19 through 31. I'm just going to read it to you guys. It says this, when her owners, whose owners am I talking about? The crazy lady, right? Yeah, okay. So when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone because she was making these men money by being able to read into people's life, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or for us to practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into a prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell, fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and at once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. And the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. And the jailer called for lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas And then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul and Silas replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. So uh, so I want to just kind of recap this story really quickly. They were headed to a place of prayer and then this happened. They were headed to a place where they were going to be getting their praise on, going to church. They had their church clothes on. They were excited. And the next thing you know, they end up uh, getting pestered by this demon-possessed woman, almost beaten to death, flogged, thrown into prison. And the Bible says that they were in the inner cells. Does anybody know what the inner cells means? Anybody at all? So the prisons were kind of shaped like this. And so the inner cells is where all of the, the manure and the, the pee and stuff like that, that's where it went. <laughs> so imagine they had cuts, they had bruises, and where were they? In the inner cell, right? That's an infection waiting to happen. <laughs> so listen, listen, they were in the inner cell. They never seen this coming. But where were they headed? Somebody tell me, where were they headed? To a place of prayer, right? And so I, I can just imagine like them going to this place to connect with God. And I wonder if you've ever been there. You're headed to this place, maybe church, maybe you're just in the mood to really focus on him. And something like crazy just happens. Something throws you out of the mood of worship. Something throws you uh, out, of the, out of the mindset of praising him. And you're just like, man, I did not see that coming. I was so looking forward to heading to this place. And now I find myself in this circumstance and, it's ever, and it kind of kills the mood. Have you guys ever went to go pray or read your Bible or, and then something just upset you or, you know, you start thinking about something that had you worried and it kind of killed your mood? Anybody ever been there before? I know I have. So we find them in this, in this place. But I want to tell you guys really quickly, this is what the devil didn't know. That you and I, that, that, that uh, Paul and Silas, we don't need a building. You guys agree with that? 
Like you guys agree, in order for you and I to pray and to, and to praise God and to spend time with him, we don't have to. Yeah, they never made it to the place, but what were they doing in the prison? They were praying and singing hymns to God. And so I want to encourage you guys tonight that, that, listen, we don't need a building. God wants to connect with you daily. God wants to connect with you no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, no matter where you find yourself. God is willing to connect with you. And so many times we think that the mood has to be just right. The circumstance has to be just right. The, the moment has to be just right. But you know what? The really cool thing about God is he wants to do life with you. And how many of you guys know that in life there are moments of up and down? There's moments of trial and tribulation. There, there's moments of happy and sadness. And so it's not about finding that right cir uh, circumstance or that right place, but it's learning to invite God in no matter where you find yourself. No matter where you find yourself. That's what it's about, learning to invite God in in that moment. Here's what I want to encourage you guys with. We look at Paul's life. And he goes, he, there's some really amazing things that happen. There's some really amazing circumstances that we find. But it's in this moment. Let me just do a quick little uh, uh, just question around the room. If you found yourself beaten and tormented and chained up and bound with poop and pee around you, would you feel like God was with you? <laughs> like, or would you be like, man, God, I was headed to church. And then this happened to me. Like, man, I'm not going to church anymore. This is bad luck. Right? So we find that it's in this moment, like, like Paul's, you know, you, you would think that you and I would have this thought. But what's really amazing is so many times you and I look at a circumstance and then we judge how close God is based off of what we're going through. Does that relate to anybody? Like, have you ever been going through something and then that makes you feel like, well, if life's going really good, God's close. But if I'm going through some things in my life or if I'm facing some challenges or if, or, or if things seem to be attacking me, we kind of view God as far off or distance. Has anybody ever been there? I know for sure that I have. And so I want to encourage you guys. The first thing that I want to encourage you guys with tonight is don't allow the situation to lead you to believe God has left you. The hurt, the frustration that moment. Don't allow that to make you feel or make you believe that God's left you. Because here's what we find in Hebrews 13 verse, verse 5. It says this, it says, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. You know, that word never is such a strong word. Like when you think of never, like never, ever, ever. So then you start throwing circumstances in there. So like if, if, if I'm in prison, he never leaves me. If, if I messed up, if I, if I committed a sin, if I haven't been going to church, I haven't been reading my Bible, I haven't been praying, he'll never, ever leave me. And I don't use that, that uh, verse to encourage myself not to do those things. I use that verse as a, as a place of grace that when I do mess up or when life is harder, when things are coming against me, I can say, you know what? This stinks, but God, I know you're still with me. And that's such a powerful thing for you and I to realize because we're not always going to get it right. We're not always, every moment of our life, we're not always going to make the best decision at the right moment, at the right time. It just doesn't always happen. And so this verse, Hebrews 13, 5, is like a reminder to me of how much God loves me and how much grace he has over my life. He'll never leave me and he'll never forsake me. And here's what I want to ask you guys tonight. When you, read that, when you read that story, when you read the story of Paul and Silas, when you read them going to prison and this earthquake coming and the, and the chains you know, breaking and, 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 and all of these uh, prisoners and this guard listening to them, praise the Lord, what, 
was the difference. What was the difference in, in that amazing miracle happened? Imagine you're in a cell, you're in a prison, and it's like, it just, boom, the chains break off. It completely busts, like doors open. What was the difference in this story? Can anybody tell me? What was the difference? It was their praise, right? Because how many prisoners were in that place with them? It doesn't tell us, but were they the only people in that prison? No, but they were the only people doing what? Praising, right? So I want to let you guys know tonight that praise makes a difference. Praise makes a difference. If you are going through something in your life, you and I can be encouraged knowing that when we praise God, there are things in the supernatural, there are things in the spiritual realm that are beginning to take place. And so it's not about me. It's not about focusing on me. It's not about focusing on what I got going on, but it's literally praising him because when we praise him, we trust him. And so I just want to show you guys this really quickly. I believe that praise made the difference, but how? I think that praise allowed Paul and Silas to focus on God rather than the circumstance. And I think that the same is true for you and I. When we focus on the, the situation, when we focus on fear, when we focus on our insecurities, when we focus on our doubts, it seems like that mountain, that, uh, that, you know, that all of those things begin to just get bigger right? How many of you guys have ever just thought and thought and thought on a bad, like a bad problem? Like you guys know you did something and you got a text where mom and dad was like, hey, we're going to talk when you get home or you're grounded. Anybody got the you're grounded text before? That's the worst text in the world. So then you're like dreading going home because you're thinking, oh my gosh, like, like what is that conversation going to be like? And you just think about it and think about it. And then this thing that's about this big, how big does it seem by the time you get home? It seems pretty big, right? And that's what happens in every circumstance in our life when you and I focus on the circumstance rather than God. And that's what we magnify. It only seems to grow and it seems like God shrinks. But on the vice versa, when you and I focus on God, he seems to grow and the problem seems to shrink. And so I believe that praise matters in the sense that when Paul and Silas were going through this and they began to just praise and sing hymns to God, it was like their... their, their um, thought and their focus was taken off of the problem and it was put on the solution. And I think that you and I can always draw from that. I think that you and I, whenever we go through moments in our life where it seems like the situation is just so big, we can begin to really take away and shrink that situation by just trusting God and focusing on him. And here's what I think the second thing, how did praise make a difference? I think that the result of their praise was peace. And I, wanna, I just want to uh, read to you guys really quickly Isaiah 26.3. It says this, God will keep those in perfect peace whose mind is set on him, for they trust him. God will keep those in perfect peace whose mind is set on him, for they trust him. I don't know how many of you guys I've told, but like, you know, at the beginning of my wife and I's marriage and, um, you know, when I, when I really first um, got out of high school and stuff, I dealt with really bad anxiety. And for those of you that don't know, my junior and senior year, I went through a lot. Uh, I was adopted when I was 16. I, I ended up homeless, um, you know, kind of just living from place to place. And so when my wife and I got married, it was like I just, like I couldn't get out of that mindset. I couldn't get out of that struggle. I couldn't get out of that fear that I was alone or that something was going to happen to me or, you know, whatever these things. And it's like I just seemed to focus on all of my fears and all of my worries and all of those things. And it wasn't like literally I found this verse and it was one of the verses that just rang so true to me. And it was a reminder to me that I, could, that I could focus on God, that I could trust God. 
And it's one of those verses that just never really left my heart because I understand now the power of it. Because I know that he, who's he? God, right? God's going to keep me in perfect peace whose mind is set on him. Well, what does that mean for us to have our mind set on God? That means that we, there are definitely other options that we could choose to, to meditate on. There's definitely other things that we could choose to think about. There's definitely other things that you and I could just zoom in on and focus on and focus on. But those things, like I said, are going to create what? Fear, anxiety, depression, worry, doubt. It's going to seem like it's separating you from God. But when you and I just say, hey, you know what? I'm going to focus God on you. I'm going to give you my, I'm going to give you my thought. I'm going to, I'm going to give you my focus. It's like in that moment, our faith and our trust grows because now we're heavily invested in him. And sure, life's still happening, but we trust that he's the author and that he has the end result. And that's what matters. Here's another thing. It, it, it says this, Psalms 34, 14 instructs us this. It says, find peace and work to maintain it. What does finding peace mean? And this is open to you. You can answer this. What does it mean to find peace? Does anybody know? Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, so, so maybe you get by yourself. Maybe you, you, know, you, uh, you spend some time alone. You spend some time with God. That's finding peace. Really what we're doing is being intentional or intentional about having peace in our life. That's what the Bible means when it says find peace. But the second part is the challenge. It says find peace and work to maintain it. And I want to ask you guys, when you go through things, do you ever, like, do you ever handle it wrong? Yeah, I mean, we all do. And so, so when you go through things, what do you turn to? Do you turn to maybe bad uh, relationships, bad influences, websites you know you shouldn't be on, things you know you shouldn't be doing, listening to music you know you shouldn't be uh, listening to? Because we all have a coping mechanism. We all have things that, that we know that we shouldn't be really turning to this, but I'm hurting. We, shouldn't really be, we, sh we really shouldn't be giving ourselves to these things, but we need something to maybe distract us from what we're going through. So we can turn to things that completely get us deeper in and keep us from really, you know, going through what we need to go through or accept what we need to accept. And honestly, I think that you and I have to choose not to run from things when things begin to happen in our life. But we just have to stand our ground, trust God, focus on him, and begin to plow forward. So there's a way that you and I can handle things. And here's what I want to ask you guys. Are you searching for peace in your life? Are you creating healthy habits to maintain it? So we talked about the things that you don't want to do, but what are some things that you and I could do where it seems like our foundation, our faith grows stronger, our peace grows stronger? How many of you guys, let me ask, how many of you guys are in your word, uh, in your Bible, at least a couple times a week? Be honest with me. This, this is family. You don't have to lie to me. How many of you guys are in your word maybe once a week? Pray. Does anybody pray daily in here? A couple times a week, anybody? And so, and so, and, and I just want us to be real. Not as a, I'm not looking at you saying, oh, you better start being a better Christian. That's not what I'm doing. Because there's moments in, that where I need to challenge myself to be in my word more. Challenge myself to be in prayer more. Challenge myself, you know, to have an accountability partner. To have somebody I can go to. Because that's what it means to maintain peace in our life. When we're getting in God's word. When we're praying. When we're, when we're seeking him out. When we're focusing on him. And so there's a good way for you and I to handle the things that we're going through. And then there's also the very negative side that doesn't produce life. Life, that doesn't produce uh, growth or and it doesn't challenge our faith it doesn't make us better and so here's what here's what I, I, I also want to say to you guys tonight 
what is the benefit of praise in you and I's life? When we look at Paul and Silas, we look at what they went through, we look at how they handled it. That's the biggest thing. Listen to that statement right there. Here's what they went through, and here's how they handled it. You and I will always have a circumstance that maybe we're going through. But the question is not what are we going through. The question is how are we handling it? Who are we giving it to? Who are we entrusting with these things? And so I believe that the third benefit of them praising how it mattered, how it made a difference, was I believe their praise is what broke the chains. You read, you read the story and you read how as they were beginning to, to pray and to sing praise and hymns, that the, it was like a violent earthquake busted the chains and set the doors open of this prison. And maybe you and I, like, I understand that you and I, we're not in a physical prison. Like, you look at my chains, I don't have, like, actual physical metal chains on. But you know what's crazy? I believe that you and I, and I'm not speaking this over anybody, but I am, I am aware that you and I can have spiritual chains. I'm aware that you and I can battle depression. I'm aware that you and I can battle insecurities. I'm aware that you and I can carry chains that nobody sees. And that's what makes it so sad. Because unless I'm willing to be honest with you, unless I'm willing to be vulnerable with you, some of the people close to you know. But at the same time, there are, there are reasons or, or things in our life that you and I have to be honest with God, be honest with ourselves, and say, God, I'm going through this. And I know a lot of people don't see it, but I want freedom from this. How many of you guys have ever went through something that, and you don't have to answer this, but you went through something where you said, man, God, if you would just set me free. Maybe it was anxiety. Maybe it was fear. Maybe it was anger. Maybe it was lust. If we're being completely honest, we're being real with each other tonight. And I want to read to you 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17. And it says this. It says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I believe that it was in that moment that Paul and Silas was singing praises to God, 